Hello, welcome to Postcolonial Space. I'm Masood Raja. So, you know, I often reflect about this world and the way we live in it. And obviously, I don't have any solutions to world's problems, but I at least think about them. So many years ago, when I was in the Pakistan army, and I will criticize something, some policy and something. Of course, my friends who trusted me understood where I was coming from, but a lot of other people would say, well, that's how the system works, Masood. So what they meant by it is that my job as a human being in uniform was just to conform to the system and live up to its expectations. And my answer always used to be, who made the system? We, humans, made the system, right? And if we find it to be unjust, we ought to change it. And if we cannot change it, we need to come together and at least critique it so that it can become better, right? But of course, and not one part into it, especially in the army. And then I ended up in academia, right? I didn't accidentally end it, ended up in academia. I worked hard and then, you know, ended up in academia. And I had hoped that the attitudes would be different, right? There will be people who think critically and who want to change the system. But sadly, other than you know, a few like-minded friends whom I love and cherish still. Most of the people in academia also wanted me to conform to the system and just live up to what it expected of me. And any attempt, attempt at changing it, making it more equitable, equal and humane, you know, met a lot of resistance. So life, you know, we all go around in it, sometimes blaming others, but sometimes blaming ourselves for our own failures, for not working hard enough, for not being smart enough, intelligent enough. Because the systems in which we live indoctrinate us to hold ourselves accountable, but not the system itself. Because if we internalize the logic of any given system, then we stop challenging it, right? And when we stop challenging it, the system, as it is self-sustaining, it perpetuates, it creates subjectivities that support it, it stays the same. And within that, people like you and me, with not a lot of power, are just expected to you know, do whatever is expected of us. So, you know, what is my suggestion to you, those of you who are young, who are just starting your careers, right, is think critically of any system in which you exist. May it be a university, you know, a corporate job, Remind yourself that you're part of it. But since you're a part of the system, 
you might feel insignificant, but without thousands and millions of you, any given system cannot survive. It needs you. And build solidarities, build friendships, build alliances, so that when the time comes to challenge the system, you're not standing there alone. Symbolically, it might make a lot of sense, but practically, a person alone can be, you know, broken, can be stopped, can be defeated, can be maligned. But if there are 100 of you, 1,000 of you, then the system, philosophically speaking, has to re-articulate itself because its logic has failed. And this comes from Pierre Bourdieu. And I'm sharing these thoughts based in my own experiences. You know, all my life, from eighth grade onward, I have challenged the status quo. I have challenged the systems, questioned them. And some would say I've paid a heavy price for it. Because one aspect of becoming a critic of systems is you do not have a constituency. I mean, not a constituency, but you are not part of a clique. You are not part of a power group, right, that claims you. Because the problem with that is when you align yourself with a political party or an association or an organization, you lose part of your voice because they expect you to speak in conformity with their expectations. And when you don't do that over a lifetime of fighting, sometimes you feel isolated, sometimes you feel alone. But coming back to the world in which we live, you know, years ago I had published a volume on uh, critical pedagogy and I wrote the introduction and I still remember the opening sentence, you know, and it was the world as it was, is and will be, right? Is, is imagined, I think I'm paraphrasing. It must be built anew. It's a lofty goal. One person cannot do it, right? But if you are a critic, if you are a scholar, what if you made it your mission that part of what you write will be geared towards creating a more equitable world, a more just and humane world? If that is ingrained in your scholarship, if your teaching is imbued by that, then you will become the kind of transformative teacher and writer who will have an impact. And if an institution has a hundred of you doing just that, imagine the reach, imagine the possibilities of change. So that's why in so many of my videos about life and you know, our existence on this planet are always about solidarity. I have never promoted that kind of singular individualistic heroism, even though it is required often to set examples 
But most of the changes in the world, small or large, come because people get together. Like-minded people share their ideas, learn from each other, and then go and change the world. So as I have grown older, and as I have now left two careers, right, my military career and then my academic career, um, which sort of came at a great cost to me. Because the thing is, the two careers that I have had, they're not just jobs, they become your identity. So when you leave them, you lose part of your identity. So when I left Pakistan Army, that's all that I had known until that time. So part of it was me leaving something that had sustained my identity. And then, you know, when I left academia, the same thing. It was part of my identity. So now that I am out there in the world, right, learning more things from people who work in a different environment, it has increasingly become important for me to, to think more about the world and to share these experiences with you. Because, you know, anyone can read Foucault and understand them or Derrida or anyone else, right? The works that they have written, Marx, if they don't become part of a praxis, they are just inert words. I mean, you can sound smart if you quote Foucault or Derrida or Marx. You can impress a lot of people. But if they are not geared towards a praxis of change, then those are meaningless words, right? So as those of you, including me, students of humanities, right? We don't develop technologies. We don't make revolutionary medicines, nothing. We deal with ideas and we deal with ideas that have a, a material impact in the world. And if we don't do our job, right, if we don't think critically and articulate our thoughts and build solidarities for change, for inclusiveness, for love, right, then who is going to do that, right? And when I use the term love in a lot of my places, remember, I end my video with two instructive words, peace and love because, you know, they are both interconnected. But when I use the word love, you know, it's how Paulo Freire articulates it and discusses it, because love is amongst equals, right? Where I look at you and you look at me and we love each other because we are equals and we have equal share of this planet's resources. So this world in which we live and sustain ourselves, work hard, right? Uh, we also know there are injustices in it. There are people who don't understand that they might have power over us now, but tomorrow they'll be gone. And I've seen powerful people in my life. When they were in power, they were absolute 
extremely powerful. And, you know, when they are gone, no one even remembers them. So one thing that will last you and that you will leave behind is, is what you have given to people. And that is what will change the world if we all think about sharing the little that we have with others, knowledge, material resources, our time, right? These are the little things that we can do. But pass along this message to others, right? That if we all come together, we can change the world. And that the world needs changing, right? But that changing cannot be done through hate, right? By excluding people from it. No, that transformation of the world must come from love, right? And hope. So, you know, as you go out into the world, Think about it critically. See where the injustices exist. We all know them. Then find out who else is feeling the same, right? Build cross-cultural, cross-racial, cross-gender identity, you know, solidarities. And then find out how to work towards creating a better world without a hierarchy, without a top-down messaging, no, in a rhizomatic way, as Deleuze would say it, right? So maybe then you, me, and millions upon millions of others in this world who live precarious lives, who deal with everyday humili humiliations right at the hands of the powerful, Maybe we'll become a kind of constituency of equals aiming to change the world, right? Sounds a bit quixotic, but, you know, I'm a humanist. I don't have many practical solutions. But I thought I should talk to you today as I sit here and think about my own life past and present and think about the future and the foreclosure of possibilities within the system in which I exist. But also the presence of this perpetual hope in the world, of good in the world, that is palpable, that we all can feel. The question is, can we tap into it and build a movement? for change, right, beyond borders, beyond religions, beyond identities, based in love and hope, as Freire would say. So these are some of my thoughts. As I said, you know, these are not linear thoughts. I just felt like sharing these. Mostly these videos don't do well on YouTube because, you know, people are looking for answers to their questions. And such reflections actually create more questions than answering any. But I hope, you know, you got something out of it. More importantly, I hope you will go and figure out a better way of doing something good in the world and share your thoughts and ideas with me. I would love to read your comments and see what you have to say about this. That's all. Stay safe. Be generous, 
be transformative and i will now see you next time until then peace and love